0: Alright, good morning family. Wow, most of you are already sitting down. Good job, let it go. Good to see you guys. Hey, grab your Bibles, open them up. We are in uh, Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. If you're a guest with us this morning, we want to welcome you here. So glad that you guys are here today. Uh, we've been uh, walking through the book of Colossians and this particular passage, that's what we're going to examine today, is uh, what's going on is Paul is summarizing everything he's talked about in chapter 1 and everything he's talked about in chapter 2, and he's compressing it down, and he's transitioning. Uh, he's about ready to uh, apply everything he said about Jesus Christ to real life. But before it can be applied, we need a new way of thinking. We have to see life from a new perspective. And that's, that's where we're going to pick it up today uh, in Colossians chapter 3. And uh, we're going to start at verse 1. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. This is the word of God. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, we uh, come into this room today uh, admitting we think we know everything. Each of us has bitten off the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and we think we know everything about ourselves and about you and about life. And Jesus, we need you to reshape our thinking and our wanting in our behavior, in our desires, really our whole life. We need to hear from you. We need to listen to you because we don't know everything. And so, Lord, would you please speak to us this morning and give us life? Amen. Amen. Uh, We are shaped by whatever we orient our life around. Uh, There was a time in America when families sat around dinner tables to have a a meal and to discuss life. Families actually sat facing one another at these uh, dinner tables. They uh, asked questions, told stories. We shared instruction and wisdom with one another during the meal. And then the television set came into the American home and the golden age of TV began in the 1950s, and it changed the family in America. We rearranged literally rearranged the furniture in our house to center around the TV set. We still do that today, do we not? We ate our family meals in front of that flickering box on things that we call TV tables. actually I had to invent something so we could eat meals in front of the TV. Anybody ever had one of those or had grandparents that, yeah, come on, we we did. Conversation was reduced to what could be squeezed in during commercial breaks for Alka-Seltzer and the Marlboro cigarettes. (laughs) And the most exciting part of the day was no longer listening and engaging in conversation with the most important people in your life. The most exciting part of the day was trying to figure out what kind of trouble Lucy and Ethel would get into and how angry Ricky would be about it. What happened today? 44 million people tuned into the birth of little Ricky on the I Love Lucy show. In January of that year, it was it was a big deal. You see our values, our beliefs, our attitudes were all gradually being reshaped by people that we did not know and by companies who did not know us. Guys, we are shaped by whatever we orient our life around. In the modern age of Netflix and internet, you can literally orient your life around a million things gourmet cooking, house flipping, pageant going, political critiquing, sports analyzing, treasure hunting, stock market. I mean, take your pick. We love defining ourselves by what programs speak our values, do we not? And we, can, we actually live in a day where we can only watch the things that we like and that we agree with. Here's the problem. We can mistakenly treat Jesus the same way that we treat TV shows. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, Jesus is just one more of those options that, that helps define me, my true self. Jesus is just one more option that helps round me out as a full person. We mistakenly believe that following Christ is just adding a couple of spiritual rituals to our already packed, busy life every week. It's just merely adding Jesus alongside all the other gods that we serve during the week to help round us out. So here's Sunday, and that's my Jesus day. And Monday, that's my work day. That's how we think. But what we find in this passage is that Jesus is so huge and he's so complete and he's so unique of a God that following him requires that we reorient our entire life around him. He's the bigger TV in the universe. And our life revolves around him. Here's the big idea for today. Following Jesus should completely shape who we are because he completely reorients our life. Following Jesus should completely shape who we are because he completely reorients our life. And so what I want to talk about today is this. Uh, What does that actually mean, first of all? What does that mean that we orient our life around Jesus and then give two motivations that help us actually do that? So what does that mean? Well, it means that with Jesus, we live our life from a new reference point. Okay? We live our life from a new reference point. Let's check the, this out in verses 1 and 2 in the text. Paul says, if, you have been raised, if then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on the earth. These, these two commands are really similar in how they're phrased. Right? Seek the things that are above, set your mind on things that are above. The, the first phrase speaks to our desires. We seek the things that we want the most, right? Does that make sense? Like that's why we're seeking them. We really want them. Jesus uses a similar command referring to the kingdom of God, actually, in Matthew chapter 6. Check this out. Jesus says, Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? That's that's things on earth, is it not? For the Gentiles, those are those that don't believe in God, for the Gentiles seek after those things. They desire them. And your Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God. That is what it means to seek the things that are above. It means seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. The second command says to set your mind means much more than our thinking. I mean, it includes what are you thinking and feeding your mind, but it's more than that. It means a constant inner attitude. Our will should be resolved toward living in line with Christ's kingdom. That's what it means. So you combine these two similar commands and, the, and the, the meaning gets a little bit more clear for us. Following Christ is a constant and total reorientation of the self. Okay, so self is not obliterated. It's just simply moved out from the center of our life. Jesus is put in the center. Our desires, our will, our values now revolve around his kingdom his way of living and over time those things are actually shaped by him our will our desires our wants our values are shaped by him Paul tells us that because Jesus has bodily risen from the dead, because he is ruling over the entire universe right now as the king, he is the new reference point for our life. If we call ourselves Christian, if, if you're wearing that tag, if you've put that jersey on and identify, yeah, yeah, I'm a Christian, that's what that means. You, you, we need to know what we're saying when we say, yeah, I'm a Christian, Okay? He's the new reference point for how we live our life. That means that we start evaluating every single part of our life, from how we do our job to how we spend our free time to how we treat our enemies to how we enjoy our freedom. We evaluate all of those things now in light of the lordship of Jesus Christ. He has something to say now about all those things. Does this make sense? All those things now have a new reference point for us now that Christ has opened our eyes to the fact that He's actually the King of the universe. And we didn't know that before, so we didn't live that way before. But now we know. We live differently. You know what that means? That means that Christ will at some times replace and at other times He will critique the values that your parents taught you. That's what that means. That means that Christ will sometimes replace, and other times he'll simply critique the traditions that we previously treasured. But we always did this. This is the thing we did. Why? Why did you do that? What does Christ have to say about that? That means that sometimes Christ will replace, other times he'll critique patterns of living. We just mildly repeat it day after day, week after week, year after year. Why do we do that? I don't know. I'm not thinking about it. I just do it because I've always done it. It's a trite saying, now, what would Jesus do? But it kind of captures a bit of this new inner attitude of the heart, the inner attitude of a Christian. The lordship of Jesus, not our gender or our culture or our generation we were born in or the family that raised us or the nation we're citizens of. The lordship of Jesus speaks to everything in our life now. That is what determines what we ultimately value and how we value it. Because Jesus is in the center of our life and he's the Lord of all. In other words, to follow Jesus, to seek the things that are above means we daily and deliberately commit ourselves to the values of Christ's kingdom because he is the new reference point for living life. And you know what, guys? You know know how we start doing this? We start reorienting our life around Jesus by asking hard questions. So I got a hard question for you. It's a little diagnostic question. You can kind of use it on your own time. Okay, you ready? Here's one. What is one thing right now that makes you defensive when someone critiques it? Think about that. What is one thing, not the main thing, but just pick one, one thing that someone critiques it or they don't hold it as highly as valuable as you do and you get angry about that. And you're going to stick up for that. What is that? Maybe that's a political view. Maybe that's your sports team. Maybe that's your kids. Maybe that's your spouse. Maybe that's your marriage or relationship you have with someone. Maybe it's how you spend your money. So think about that. Just let's be honest. If we're really going Christians, we're really going to follow God, let's, let's answer this question. What is one thing that when someone critiques it, you defend that instantly, almost mindlessly as a reaction? And if you don't know what it is, hey, parents, ask your children. They will tell you. Okay? Ask a trusted friend that you know loves you and will tell you the truth this week. Ask your spouse. Ask someone. I'm giving you permission to tell me what that is. This is how we start, okay? And they'll tell you. And then when they tell you, listen. And ask Jesus to help you revalue that in light of his kingdom. Now, that's what it means to live our life from a new reference point. Now, what, is that, what motivates us to do that? That sounds like a hard thing to do, right? Right? How do we do that? Well, one way is that in Christ we are united to a supreme king. This motivates us to want to reorient our life around Jesus. We are united to a supreme king in Jesus Christ. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. That's where Jesus is right now as I'm talking. At the right hand of the Father, and he's seated in power. He is the king on the throne, ruling. When Christ physically rose from the grave, it was the final proof that he really actually is the king of the universe, and he really did bring his kingdom. He inaugurated his kingdom when he was on earth and rose from the dead. Not fully, but unmistakably present in the earth. The old order of life is passing away. The kingdom of God is taking ground and it is bringing life to everything that it touches, brothers and sisters. This is part of the good news of Jesus Christ. The apostle John says pretty much the same thing in 1 John chapter two. The apostle says, at the same time, it's a new commandment that I'm writing to you, which is true in him and what? In you. Present tense. Why? Because the darkness is passing away, and the true light is already shining. The fact that we are spiritually resurrected with Christ is further proof that His kingdom, His way of doing life, is the only kingdom with real power, brothers and sisters. Uh, his, his kingdom, his way of doing life is the only kingdom that will ultimately last. It's broken in this world. It is shining now. It's shining in you and me, those that wear that jersey of Christian. So get this. Paul is telling us in this verse some really good news. I don't want you to miss this. We have been united to that supreme king, and we are united to that ultimate kingdom. That way of living life by faith in Christ. So follow me here for just a second. Don't doze off, all right? This is key. If Christ's kingdom is the one that brings resurrection from death, all right. if Christ's way of life is completely good, And there's no evil mixed in with that. If Christ's kingdom, his way of life, is eventually going to be the way of life everywhere you look. And if we've been united to that wonderful kingdom by faith in Christ, then that should mean something to you and I, right? That should motivate us to live that way right now. We should want to live that way right now. We should want to be training every day for the way that it's going to be everywhere forever. Is this making sense? We're rehearsing that. We're rehearsing the way it will be. We don't want to rehearse the way it won't be anymore. I can't tell if you guys are awake or not. That should make you excited. (laughs) Why practice that way of living right now? I know, maybe you're thinking that. Well, why practice that? So that people, other people, can get in on that way of life so that more people can get in on that kingdom now oh and here's another reason so that we can fully enjoy it when it comes (laughs) why because we've been practicing living that way for 10 20 30 years since we've been united to a supreme king that is bringing a supreme kingdom that will never end, we don't want to value, we don't want to think, we don't want to behave according to a, the kingdom of the world anymore. Why? Because that way is passing away. It's not always going to be that way. So why are you practicing it like that? That's what Paul's saying. We want to think. We want to think about education and personal freedom and family and authority and how we treat our sister and how we treat our parents and how we do our job in a way that is shaped by the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Paul gives us another motivation for for doing this, for reorienting our life around Christ. He says that through Christ, we're inheriting a beautiful future. Through Christ, we are inheriting a beautiful future. Look at verse 4. There's so much in these verses. Paul is taking these big ideas, and he is like, you know what a trash compactor is? You ever use one of those? He's like compacting it in these little tiny phrases and sentences. He says, When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory check this out. Paul gives us a glimpse of the beautiful future that awaits those who are united to Christ the Lord. We will appear, appear with him in glory, he says. Paul is talking to us about us not so much being in a particular place. He's, like when he's, you know, he's not talking like, you know, we'll be with him in glory. Like, we'll be with him in Arkansas. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's not what he means, okay? In this place called Glory. He's talking more like we'll be in a state of glory. We will be fully all that we were meant to be, is what he's saying. Again, the Apostle John is helpful. He uses similar phrases in 1 John chapter 3. He says, Beloved, we are God's children. When? Now. And what we will be. So, so you see the already but not yet tension here? We're living in this already but not yet fully tension. And we will what we will be has not yet appeared. It's not yet been made visible or revealed, right? But we know that when when that we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. We'll see him fully. The kingdom of Christ is has come to us now, and we are being changed into his character now, even though we are not completely there yet. But John and Paul say that there is a day coming when our values, when what we want and desire, then our behavior, what we do, will be completely, fully, totally shaped by King Jesus. We will completely love God with all our heart and with all our soul. We will completely love our neighbor, no matter who they are, with all our heart and our souls. Well, as ourselves, right? We will be glorified without any character flaw, without any mixture. Isn't that great? You should smile. That's good news. That's good news, family. Let me put it this way. What we should love is what we will most want to love. What we should do will be what we most want to do. There's two kinds of rare diamonds in the world. I don't know if you knew this or not. I just learned this this week. Two kinds of rare diamonds. There's flawless diamonds, and there's internally flawless diamonds. Okay? Internally flawless has zero impurities. Uh, absolute quality They're perfect in their quality But because of the cut and the polish line Of that diamond The light does not Go through it as brilliantly As it could As clearly as it could So it shines but it doesn't shine as bright as it could okay? That's internally flawless diamonds Flawless diamonds Have zero impurities in them as well They are perfect in their quality As well but they have been cut for absolute clarity, perfect clarity. These diamonds sparkle like something that came from another world, and that's why they're rare. Guys, that will be you one day. That will be you one day and me one day. As we orient our values and as we orient the decisions that we make in our life around Christ the Lord, He sculpts us like a diamond cutter into absolute clarity. The character of Christ will eventually shine through us and refract out of us like that flawless diamond that just pops. It just pops. It looks like it almost glows. That is a beautiful Future, guys. That's your future and my future Christ is your Lord. That is what we are walking towards every day. Did you know that? You and I are walking toward that day after day, month after month, year after year. Not only will we be made glorious through Christ, but this world will be made glorious as well. I mean, where do you put a flawless diamond? You don't put it in a pig snout, do you? No. You put it in a flawless environment. You put it on a beautiful hand, right? We talked about this earlier in the series, but Christ is going to renew every part of fallen creation, everything that he has created. Let's go back to Colossians 1, verse 19 through 24. In him, in Christ, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things. He's going to reconcile himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace by the blood of his cross. This was a powerful redemption, guys. Christ will restore everything that sin has corrupted and that death has marred and destroyed. We will be restored creatures living in a restored creation where everything that went wrong has been made right. This week, Vanessa was sharing uh, a dream that she had with me. Uh, In the dream, she was enjoying this really great conversation. It was this loving, just the feeling of the dream was like there's love here. This conversation with people that she cared about and loved, and then another part of her family walked in. And and, and there were members of her family that experienced the murder of their child. They had experienced bitter divorce, anger, there was unforgiveness. In constant depression that they had lived with their whole life, and there they all were in this dream, in this room, in this house. You know, the woman, the child, the dad, all the family—they were all there. They were all alive. They were all at peace. There was no strife. They're all full of joy. They're all smiling. Vanessa said she woke up and she thought, "Oh, heaven." Guys, that is what we are inheriting in Christ. But you know what? It's not just a dream. It's not just a dream. That's why we dream about that stuff, because it's pointing to something. It's reality. That is our beautiful inheritance. Check this out in Revelation, verse 21. John again. John the Revelator. Verse 3 through 5. He says, and I heard a loud voice from the throne. who sits on the throne? King Jesus. So this is Jesus talking. Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. The dwelling place of God is where? With man. He will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And he who is seated on the throne, Jesus says, behold, I am making all things new. Jesus isn't saying, I'm making all new things. He says, I'm making all things new. I am the king Write this down, for these words are trustworthy, and they're true. You can bank your life on it. Guys, picture this. Picture this with me. Look at me. No more lupus. No more cancer. No more strep throat. And you got to watch your kid now so that I go to work. No more weeping because there's injustice that doesn't go punished or oppression of people groups that no one seems to care about. No more murder and crime. Generosity will be normal life. You guys picturing this? Forgiveness will be normal life. Sacrificing for others because you truly love them, that'll be normal. Like, that'll be normal. Hospitality will be normal in the new creation. Joy will be widespread. Happiness will be widespread. Laughing will be widespread. Music will be widespread. We will not judge each other by our nationality or ethnicity or gender or occupation or accent and then decide if I'm going to be your friend or not. We won't act that way with each other anymore. We will only see one another as friends. Why? Because we have the main thing in common, which is Christ who redeemed us. And we have reoriented our entire life around this one main thing. So we can appreciate each other's differences, but call each other friend. And because we've reoriented our life around Him, He's made us suited for this new world, this new creation, this new way of interacting with one another. We're ready! We've been living that way for decades. Guys, this is our future, brothers and sisters. This is what you and I are walking towards. Is this not beautiful? Is this not gorgeous? Absolutely. This is the good news of Jesus Christ. And it is the beautiful story that we are supposed to be inviting non-Christians into. We should be good news people. The reason people don't follow Christ is because the world tells a better story. We stink at telling a beautiful story. I'm sorry. We tell people what we are not for. We should be telling them what we are for, what we are walking towards. Because, man, I don't know about you, that that story grabs me, and I want to be a part of that. We should be good news people. Here's my question. Listen, listen, listen. What if, crazy idea, what if we started living that way now? Like, what if we really started living that way now? What if we started orienting our lives around who Jesus is? What if we started reorienting our values and our behavior around who King Jesus is and what he is bringing because we have been united to that? What if we let Jesus critique everything we value? What if we let Jesus critique everything we do so that we experience some of what he's bringing to Washington eventually? We experience some of that love, some of that forgiveness, some of that generosity, some of that servant attitude now, some of that renewal now. I don't know about you guys. I'm here for that. I am here for that. Sign me up. Knowing Christ has given us that beautiful future should motivate us to reorder our life in the present. That's why he gave us that picture. That's why he even told us. That's why he gave us that vision. The future should leak into the present. The future should leak into the present. I love you guys. Let me pray for you. Oh Jesus, we thank you for all the work that you have done. You are a master builder. We thank you for what you have built and what you're bringing and what you have already started to bring now in your church, in your people. Lord, I pray right now that we would have the courage to ask ourselves hard questions of what, what, what do we really orient our life around? What do we really value? And not feel guilt or shame about that, but to come into the light so we can experience more of you. More of what will be forever. Tear down our pride. Help us get past, I'm fine, I know this stuff. Help us be humble and truly listen to what you are saying to us today. And Lord, I pray that you would help us, Crossway, be better at telling our story to people that need to be a part of this, that you're calling to be a part of this. So Lord, please change us now. Whatever it takes, do it. We love you in Jesus' name, amen.